Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that examines notable events that happened years ago, today. I'm Gabe Lussier, and today we're talking about the development of an experimental weapon that would forever change the shape of modern warfare. You know, once all the bugs were worked out. The day was September 15, 1916. The first tanks were deployed at Fleur-Corselet during the Battle of the Somme in France. The model used, the British Mark I, had been designed a year earlier as a way to end the stalemate of trench warfare that had developed on the Western Front in World War I. These early tanks weren't very reliable and had been sent into combat without much training on how to use them effectively. Still, the intimidating vehicles shook German combatants to their core and ultimately gave rise to a new era of mechanized warfare. The need for armor-plated defensive vehicles arose naturally during the early days of the First World War. By the fall of 1914, the fighting in the Somme River region of France had taken an unexpected turn. British generals had expected to clear a path by shelling German positions, but when the bombardments failed to destroy the enemy's heavy artillery, the British soldiers found themselves with no way forward. In time, both sides settled into a network of trenches all along the 400-plus mile stretch of land nicknamed the Western Front. This arrangement made it nearly impossible for the Allied forces to advance through the German-occupied territory. 
Every time the soldiers tried to make a move, thousands were shot down by machine gun and rifle fire from the defending German trenches. In fact, the advances were so ineffectual that it's estimated more than 1,000 Allied soldiers were killed for every 100 yards gained against the Germans. It was with this grim situation in mind that an officer of the Royal Engineers made a suggestion to General Headquarters. His name was Lieutenant Colonel Ernest Dunlop Swinton, and he believed that with a new piece of equipment, the British Army would be able to break the stalemate and finally cross to the other side of no man's land. His proposal was to build a fleet of heavily armored vehicles that could push their way forward even through harsh terrain and unrelenting enemy fire. What Swinton described, a self-propelled artillery vehicle, had never been attempted before. In fact, a vehicle like that was only possible thanks to recent innovations, namely the internal combustion engine and continuous tracks, or tread. With a gas-powered engine, the vehicle, originally described as a land ship, would be able to propel itself forward, even with the added bulk of steel armor plating and mounted machine guns. And with continuous tracks instead of wheels, it could travel over rough terrain and across barbed wire with ease. Swinton's idea quickly earned the backing of Winston Churchill, the first Lord of the Admiralty, a.k.a. the government's top advisor on all naval affairs. And if you're wondering how the development of tanks qualified as a naval affair, remember, they weren't tanks yet. They were ships of the land. In early 1915, Churchill established the Land Ships Committee, which set to work building a prototype. The project was conducted in great secrecy to ensure the element of surprise on the battlefield. Even the workers were kept in the dark about what they were really building. They were told that the vehicles were a new way to transport water for the troops, a kind of mobile water tank. Naturally, the workers started calling the machines water tanks, or just tanks for short. They eventually learned the truth, as did the Germans and the rest of Europe, but the name tank persisted anyway. An initial batch of 50 tanks was delivered to France in August of 1916, just ahead of the next major attack along the River Somme. Each tank was assigned an eight-person crew, four men to navigate and work the controls, and four to fire the tank's artillery. Unlike modern tanks, which feature a single central turret on top, all of the weapons on the British Mark I were mounted on the sides. Unfortunately, some of the first 50 tanks had been damaged in transit and were no longer operational when they arrived. As a result, only 36 actually made it to the battlefield in time for the attack on September 15th. And if that weren't bad enough, when the order to advance was given, only 25 tanks were actually able to move forward. The rest broke down, right there on the virtual starting line. Despite these mechanical setbacks, the tank force still left a strong impression on the Germans on the front line that day. Many of them simply ran away in terror, with one survivor later saying that he was prepared to retreat all the way back to Berlin if necessary. The tanks were also a shocking sight for British troops, with most having never seen one until the machines arrived behind British lines. One such soldier, Reginald Grant, recorded his initial reaction. He wrote, quote, I looked in the direction of the sound, and presently there heaved in sight a colossal something of behemoth proportions, something the like of which I had never seen or heard of in all my life, and I was stricken dumb with amazement. 
a monstrous monstrosity, climbed its way without let or hindrance, up, over, along, and across every obstacle in its path. Presently, it reached the top of Posier Ridge. Every man who could see had his eyes glued on it. Soldiers on both sides may have been taken aback by the hulking machines, but the men inside the tanks were feeling overwhelmed in a different way. Most of them were regular infantry soldiers with no background in engineering or mechanics. They were expected to turn the tide of the whole war, but the tools they'd been given for the job were hastily designed, unintuitive, and prone to malfunctions. The vehicle interiors didn't make the crew's task any easier. The cramped chambers inside the tanks were intensely hot, and an ever-present cloud of exhaust fumes made it difficult to breathe. Yet even with all those disadvantages, the first group of tanks still managed to advance several miles through two of the three German lines. They inflicted heavy casualties along the way, and in their wake trailed a steady stream of British infantry. The tank force could have pressed on even further, but since there were no radios on the field, there was no way to coordinate an extended attack. In October, heavy rains turned the battlefield to mud, and by mid-November, the advancement had ground to a halt. The commander of the Allied forces at the Somme, General Douglas Haig, had no choice but to abort the Somme offensive. Over the course of four months, they had advanced just five miles and had lost hundreds of thousands of soldiers in the process. The tank's debut wasn't the turning point the War Department had hoped for, but General Douglas Haig still believed the new weapon showed promise. He ordered the production of hundreds more tanks, and as their reliability improved, he was able to deploy them to much greater effect. By the summer of 1918, nearly 3,000 British tanks had been produced. They were no longer an oddity on the battlefield. They'd become an accepted and highly potent weapon in the British arsenal. By that point, the Germans had developed armor-piercing rounds to combat the tanks, and while that tactic did prove effective, it wasn't enough to stop the onslaught once the tanks had been deployed en masse. After sustained pressure from the Allies, including the British tank force, Germany finally surrendered on November 11, 1918. Although they had started as a British invention, the utility of tanks wasn't lost on England's allies or its enemies. France quickly rolled out its own take on the machines, the Renault FT, the first tank with the distinctive feature of a rotating turret on top. As for the Germans, they never got the hang of tank production during World War I, only managing to build about 20 of their own clunky design. However, they eventually made up for lost time during the interwar years, and by the time of World War II, German tanks were a fearsome force on the battlefield. The genie of mechanized warfare was well and truly out of the bottle, and the world, for better or worse, would never be the same. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro series has all of those and the Roku streaming experience. An award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day. And regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro series. A smart TV built by the streaming pros. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Mosley. And I want to let you know about my new immersive BBC Radio 4 podcast series, Deep Calm. It's all about how to tap into and activate a remarkable system that we all have, hardwired inside of us, our relaxation response. And it's been developed to be listened to at any time you want to really unwind. I hope you'll listen wherever you get your BBC podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.